This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. for joining with us online, for worshiping with us uh, today, and for those that are in person in the auditorium, it's good to see you here today as well. Pentecost Sunday. We've done a lot already in the service, so I don't want to take long. I just want to share with you a a few uh, bullet points of why I think today is a significant day for us, especially at this time and this season. You know, the Pentecostal movement, Pentecost Sunday, The Pentecostal movement was birthed and was the birthing of the early church. We can see it all the way back into the book of Acts. It even started before that in Matthew chapter 3. We see that John the the Baptist, it says, uh, baptizes with water, but that after him would come another that would baptize in the fire of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out and those that are there, in fact, Jesus tells us, gave the command to his followers and his disciples in the book of Acts, Acts chapter one and verse four and five, they're in the upper room and I've been there in this upper room, what would have been like the the upper room. I've taken groups of us there and, and what a time it is when we come into that room, you have to go go up some narrow stairs and you you go up and then the uh, the room is about the size of the stage at the Fort Lauderdale campus and and as we get up there I love it when we're there all by ourselves because we begin to worship the Lord. Usually I have Chris, our, our worship leader with us and, and we begin to sing. We can't do it when there's lots of people in the room because they're there, they're praying and it's disruptive to them. But when we're all alone and there's been several times that that's happened and we begin to worship, you just sense what they felt in the upper room as they were worshiping God and the spirit of God begins to come down and they are touched by God's spirit. What a powerful, powerful experience that it has been. Well, that's what Jesus told them, the disciples of their day, and it's for us as well, to wait in the upper room and to wait, to wait for the promise of my Father. It's a promise that God has given to us, a promise that he says that we will receive. I'd like to read to you here in Acts chapter one. He says, wait for the gift. Verse four, the gift that my Father promised. You've heard me speak about it. Matthew uh, writes about it in Matthew 3, 11, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter two, that begins to take place and, and they're being filled with the Holy Spirit. And today, as I think about that, I think there's some significance for us. You know, the Pentecostal movement of our time in 1906 was ushered in It was ushered in by a man uh, of the name William Seymour. William Seymour was studying under a a man by the name of Charles Parham. In fact, it was right during the Jim Crow area, 1906, 1903 to 1906. It was a very racially divided nation at that time. Segregation and, and, and and the Jim Crow era was taking place. In fact, it was only about 14 years uh, after the, 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 the rights of women to vote. So this was all in this time that was taking place. And William Seymour 
is allowed to study in Charles Parham's Bible school, but he had to stay outside in the hallway and he would, he would, he would stay out there. And, and as they were studying the book of Acts, he saw that they were filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And he saw instance after instance after instance that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they would begin to speak in other tongues. Five different occurrences in the book of Acts where they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Four of them mentions specifically that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they would begin to speak in other tongues. The other instance is when Simon, he witnesses the disciples being filled and laying their hands on people and others being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Simon the sorcerer wants to buy what he sees. And there's the reference that something is manifesting and it's so much so that he wants to buy whatever gift or power that the disciples have. Well, William Seymour is reading this and he's seeing these instances where the Holy Spirit was poured out and he began to ask the question, was it only for the first church, the early church? Because that was the teaching for many, many years. And actually some still hold on to that teaching today. Though fewer and fewer are holding on to that belief, one in every four believers, one in every four believers around the world are Pentecostal spirit-filled believers today. That's over 660 million. We can't even fathom the number there that are filled with the Holy Spirit. William Seymour is praying about that and he's asking God, would he fill him? He was leading a small church in Topeka, Kansas. And I think we have a picture of that church and, and these believers. And, and it was at a time where they were leading a very, uh, in, a, in a very difficult season. They were a reconciling church. They were a church that was rejecting racism and they were praying for the power and the spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit began to be poured out on this group. This group, many of them now moved to Los Angeles and, and what starts the Azusa Street Revival. Maybe you've heard about the Azusa Street Revival that went on from 1906 to about 1915. It's where the Assemblies of God was birthed. It was where uh, other denominations, the Church of God in Christ was birthed out of. Many of that came out of the revival. It was made up of people from every ethnicity, background and, and color and economic situation from poor to rich, you, you name it, they would come because there was a hunger for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. To say, God, what we're reading in the book of Acts, is that possible today? Is it possible to see what we talked about last week, this kind of spiritual awakening again where there's an outpouring of your spirit? And man, this revival went on all of these years, meetings every night, sometimes three times a day, praying into late in the evening. Skeptics would come in with their arms folded. What is this? And, and they would sit there. And in the midst of the worship, the Holy Spirit would begin to sweep over them and their hearts would get softened. And all of a sudden they found themselves, the Bible or, 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 or the history book shows us that as they were studying the Bible and they were sitting in that revival and they were hearing the preaching about the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they would be overcome and they would get filled with the Spirit. This was the birth of our modern day Pentecost. And man, here we are in our day and our time, we're crying out for change, for reconciliation, for revival, for a spiritual uh, awakening. 
And I'm telling you, it starts right here in the spirit. It starts right here where we begin to say, God, we're going to be people of the spirit and we're going to pursue you and seek you. And we long for the outpouring that comes from you. And your outpouring is an outpouring that's available for everyone, for all to receive and to be filled with your spirit. Can I hear an amen? Get an amen. Click it, like it right now. Let's declare that God, we need that kind of outpouring again. Well, here I see when I study and I've been a student for years of the Pentecostal movement and revivals and, and spiritual awakenings and touches from God. We look at the early church in the book of Acts. We look at what happens with Charles, uh, uh, Charles Parham and, and, and William Seymour and all of the early founders of the Assemblies of God and the Pentecostal movement. And it just begins to help us to say, God, we believe that that which you've done in the past, you can do it again. We're praying that you'll continue to pour out your spirit. And I walk away with three simple thoughts today because of time, because we, we, we really felt impressed to spend more time in prayer today. I want to just lay these before you as to what I believe it means to be people of the spirit. We have this promise. I've talked about the promise of the father. In fact, the scripture says in Acts chapter two that this promise is for all. Peter stands up and he preaches. When everybody comes around, the disciples, the 120 in the upper room get filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to the, 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 the speak in tongues and, and prophesy. They come out of the upper room and they're out in the streets. If you go with us to Jerusalem, you know it's a, it's a very narrow street and, and people begin to crowd in. And as they're crowding in, they hear them. They're, they're speaking in other tongues, but they hear them in their own language. For some, it, it sounds gibberish to them. And they don't understand it. They're drunk. It's, a, it's, a, it's the middle of the day. It's early morning. How could they be drunk already? And Peter stands up. And he begins to preach a message. And, and as he preaches, he begins to declare, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied. And he prophesied, your sons and your daughters will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Young men, old men, they will see visions and dreams. And, and he says, it's for you and it's for those that are afar off, your children and those that are afar off. Well, that's you and I, that's us that are here today, disciples, that this gift from the Father is for us. So there's a promise, but then we gotta begin to say, God, but what is the purpose of it? And, 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 and as, a, as a Pentecostal, or as a Pentecostal church, or for one that's desiring the empowerment and the baptism of the Holy Spirit like William Seymour, what does it mean in our lives today? I leave you with three simple thoughts. The first one, it's three simple words really. It's the word in, with, and through. I believe the purpose and, 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 and why we receive the Holy Spirit and what it means for us is that first of all, We've got to understand that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in us. When we receive the Spirit, we're receiving the Spirit of God and he takes up residence within us. Romans chapter eight and verse nine, look here on the screen. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature, but you are controlled by the Spirit. If, here's the condition, you have the Spirit of God living in you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. He takes up residence within us. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He's talking to the Corinthian church. And Paul says, the reason you've got to understand the importance of the Spirit 
in you, it's because God desires that you recognize his presence. He's writing to a church that's broken, a, a church that has a lot of questions. There was a lot that was happening in society of the day and the time, and, and, and they had written a letter to Paul. There was conflict in the church. There was, there, was, there was abuse that was coming into the church. There was false doctrine that he was trying to clear up. There was people that were bringing their spiritual gifts into the church and, and carrying a, 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 spiritual, uh, a, a spiritual superiority in the body and in the church. And so Paul was addressing those things when he writes Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, he says, for you are God's temple, the home of the living God. And God has said to you, I will live in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, God is showing through Paul that as people of the spirit, when the Holy Spirit is in us, we have the intimacy of his presence. Can I just hear an amen? The intimacy of the presence of God. And he says, he is there with you. And that's why we've been talking week after week, draw the circle and get into the circle and say, God, I need to experience you. Strip away the competition for the affection of your heart and get alone with God and say, God, there's nothing more than for me to know that you are with me, that you're there, that your presence is there, that I have the assurance of the love of God, that I sense the arms of God wrapping around me and I can feel it, especially in a moment like this, I can feel the love of God. Can I just hear an amen? Like it. Just say, yes, Lord. That's what Paul was saying. As people of the Spirit, we have the Spirit in us. And so he says, one of the promises that you have as people of the Spirit, as you are baptized with the Spirit and you're endowed with the Spirit of God, baptism is this baptism like water where we go under the water and we're immersed in water. Baptism in the spirit is where we're immersed with the spirit. We are filled. Spirit baptism means we are spirit filled. We're filled with the spirit and he now lives within us. So Paul says, here's a promise. It says a spirit empowered, spirit-filled, spirit-led, a spirit-filled believer is one that knows they have the presence of God. God's presence is with you. But then Paul says there's a second promise. If you've got your Bibles open or your device, look at verse 18. I'm in 2 Corinthians 6, and he says in 18, here's the second promise. Now, this is important because when he gets over a few more verses, he's going to give us a warning of what will come against these promises. He says the second promise that you get in verse 18, when you are filled with the Spirit, when the Spirit is in you, he says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the first promise was a promise of the presence of God. But the second promise is a promise of a relationship with God. No longer does sin separate me from God. The veil has been ripped and now I can come in and have intimacy with God and closeness with God and sin is removed and I'm no longer held at arm's length. Can I just hear an amen? And so he says, you have a promise of God's presence and a promise of a relationship with God. Now, let me tell you, that's what, that's what it means to be a Christ follower. 
is that we understand we're forgiven. We understand that Jesus has taken our sins and, and that now we have a relationship. It's not rules and rituals and religion. It's a relationship with God. And so now a few verses later in chapter seven, now remember when this is being written, it's one letter that Paul is sending to the church of Corinth. We have chapters and verses so that we can study it later. But when Paul was writing it, it was a letter. And so in chapter seven, a few verses later, just a few sentences after in the same letter, he says, since we have these promises, what promises? Well, a promise of his presence, a promise of a relationship. Since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves. Purify ourselves from everything that contaminates both body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence for God. Perfecting holiness is a work of sanctification where God continues to form me and conform me and transform me and make me like Christ. Perfecting holiness where I become the reflection of Christ. Don't miss this today. The Spirit in you is conforming you, conforming us into the likeness of Christ. The image of Christ that as a Christian, I'm a miniature Christ symbol, symbolic representation, reflection of who Christ is. That when people look at me, when they look at you, they see Christ in us. And that's why, that's why Paul would say in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled, be baptized. Let the spirit take residence in you. You'll have his presence. You'll have a relationship. If you do not allow yourselves to be contaminated, purify yourselves, you will have his presence with you. And when you have his presence with you, he will perfect holiness within you. What does that mean again? Is that we're being transformed into the, into the likeness of Christ. So today I would... Propose to you, first of all, that we are spirit-filled. We have the spirit living in us. Secondly, I would propose to us today, what does it mean to be people of the spirit? Is that it means that we have the spirit with us. That we are spirit-led. That the spirit of God is there, guiding, leading. He's our advocate. We looked a few weeks back our advocate. Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter. Let me read a scripture to you in John 16 and verse 12 through 14. Look on the screen. He says, oh, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't understand it now. When the Holy Spirit, who is truth, comes, he shall guide you, teach you. He'll be a comforter to you. He will teach you, guide you into all truth. You see, a work of the Spirit is a work of illumination. He opens our minds. He reveals the Scripture. He reveals that which is hidden, that, that, that the Spirit is trying to break into our heart. He begins to break it down like a hammer that breaks through a rock. He breaks through our heart. And I don't know about you, but when I came to Christ, there was a lot of things that Christ had to transform in me, and he's still perfecting holiness within me. That old song, he's not finished with me yet. Be patient with me. He's not finished with me yet. He may be finished with you, but he's not finished with me. And he says here, it's really hard. I mean, preach into an empty auditorium and in an auditorium that's filled with masks, it's really, really hard. <laughs> I just have to say, I can't hear you online, but that's okay. I can't hear them in the auditorium either. 
He will guide you into all truth, for he will not be presenting his own ideas, but he will be passing on to you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, and he shall praise me and bring great honor by showing you my glory. Well, we looked at this in depth a number of weeks ago, that we have an advocate. We looked at it at the very beginning of the coronavirus, and now that just feels like, uh, you know, a decade ago, and it was just a few weeks ago. We have an advocate, an advocate. Man, let that grip us today. We have an advocate. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He's the one that will guide us and lead us. He is with us. That's what I say, and that's what we can say. When we are people of the Spirit, we can say that not only are we filled with the Spirit, but we are led by the Spirit. We are Spirit-led. We stay in step with the Spirit. We learn to recognize and hear the Spirit. Paul said to young Timothy, the young preacher, he says, I remind you, fan the flame of the gift of God which is in you that you receive with the laying on of hands. It's not just a gift to serve, but it's that which enables us to hear and to recognize. And we've got to begin to see the barriers so that we can walk in step with the Spirit. At Thanksgiving, we went up into the mountains and as we were there, we had a fireplace and, and we would bring in wood and we would put it into the fireplace and, and, and every now and then, Christopher, my middle son, is our fire master, we call him. He's the one that stirs it up and moves it around and when the fire would begin to go out, he would begin to, to, to stir the wood and, 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 and what do you call that underneath? The, the coals, the, 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 there's some, the, the embers, is that what you call it? Uh, underneath, and he would stir it up and put another piece of wood on, and all of a sudden, the flame would begin to go again. Paul says to young Timothy, stir it up, stir the fire, keep the passion, walk with the Spirit. So today, we have the Spirit in us, which means we're filled with the Spirit. We have the Spirit with us, which means we're led by the Spirit. And then lastly, I would say to you as our worship team comes back, that not only are we filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit, but thirdly, we are empowered by the Spirit. We are Spirit-empowered. The Spirit works through us. He's in us, He's with us, but now He is working through us. And boy, what a time more than ever can we say, Holy Spirit, will you use us? Holy Spirit, let my life honor you. When you begin to be used by God, when you allow the power of God to work through you, you get into the will of God for the purposes of God. There is wind that comes into the sails of your life because now you're in the anointing of God. And when you're in the anointing of God, God begins to work through you. Man, that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. For me, Spirit empowerment, Spirit empowerment isn't a power of like strength physically, although he does strengthen me spiritually and physically. But it's, a, it's an empowerment. In fact, in the book of Acts, it says that, that there was a boldness, an empowerment. This boldness in this empowerment helps us to step out in spite of fear with courage. We step out where we're fearful to be used by God, to be a voice for God, to use our gifts for God, to be an instrument for God. We step out where we're fearful, but there's an empowerment, a boldness, a courage that helps us to be used by God. 
I grew up in Pentecost from a very, very young age. My mother got saved. She was a Catholic when I was born and, and, and uh, my parents uh, uh, were, my, my dad was actually Pentecostal and he married my mom and my mom brought him to the Catholic church. And, uh, and uh, in the early days of their marriage, they, they went to the, the Catholic church. And as I was born, my mom wanted me, she named me Thomas Joseph, right? I got two saints names. It's like she wanted to make sure something stuck. And we were, we were in the Catholic church. And, and one day my dad was going to a Pentecostal service and my mom went along and she got saved, radically saved and filled with the Holy Spirit all in one day. And God got a hold of her life and turned her and my father and our whole family then around. And so from a very young age, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I mean, we would have times, if, if you've ever grown up, especially in a Pentecostal church, you can identify, we would have times where we just sat around the altars, worshiping God, soaking in his presence. People would come around and, and lay hands on us and begin to, to pray for us. And we were there. I mean, those were days, Pastor Kevin, where we didn't have inner ear, you didn't have all those beats, you didn't have all of this stuff that helps you do worship. I mean, the worship team just played, right? If they were off key, on key, it didn't matter. You were just worshiping God and you were getting caught up in there. Anybody else know what I'm talking about, right? And you just worship. You'd be in that altars. You would be there crying out to God. And what am I talking about? You're soaking. You're waiting. You're filled. And as the Holy Spirit is filling you, there's a boldness, there's a courage, there's an empowerment. And you begin to realize that you are spirit-empowered. And that helps you overcome fear to be used by God. You see, the Spirit desires to work through us. Every one of us, there's a gift, there's an anointing, there's places that God wants to use us. And we've got to say, God, people of the Spirit, don't only realize that the Spirit is living in us. It's not just for speaking in tongues. You see, growing up, that's kind of what I thought the Pentecostal experience was. was just speaking in tongues and, and interpretation, miracles and healings. When we would see it, when the evangelist would come through and we would see it. I didn't recognize, I didn't have a, a, a full enough theology to understand that that's one aspect of the Spirit the Spirit's empowerment and the gifts of the Spirit. But there was so much more, not denying that because that's where it begins, but so much more that God would do as I open myself up to be filled with His Spirit. Now, I don't have time to go into the different types of gifts and, and the classifications of gifts, but I encourage you today to begin to say, God, empower me, fill me, enable me to be used by you especially in this day, in this time. God, help me to use my gifts. So in conclusion, what does it mean for us today to be people of the Spirit? The Spirit lives in us. The Spirit is with us. The Spirit is working through us. We're Spirit-filled. We're Spirit-led. We're Spirit-empowered. So what does it mean for us now? And how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Is It starts by beginning to say, God, Will you fill me? Will you touch me? Will you renew this experience in me? For some of you watching, maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. It begins right there to say, God, will you fill me, baptize me, give me this experience like William Seymour. Let me study, let me desire, let me long to, to receive what I read about in the book of Acts. 
Because God, I want to see the miracles that I see in the book of Acts. I want to see the outpouring. I want to see the spiritual awakening again in our day, in our time. And God, if it was for them, I'm believing it's for me as well. And you begin to ask. You begin to say, God, touch me, fill me. For those of you that have been filled with the Holy Spirit before, it's a refilling, it's a, it's a renewing, it's a re-empowerment, it's, it's staying in step with the Spirit and it's coming back and saying it wasn't just a gift for speaking in tongues, but God, it's a gift to be empowered by you. Pastor, why would I need to be refilled? Well, because we leak. <laughs> it seeps out. We're, we're in the world and, and we get squeezed by the pressures and the things of the world and therefore I just need to be filled all over again. For me, I'm asking that every service. I'm saying, God, fill me, empower me. Lord, let there be a baptism of your spirit so that I can learn to stay in step and in tune with you. So you ask. Secondly, you gotta begin to yield to him. Yield your spirit, yield lordship over. Say, God, I yield to your will and let confession and repentance begin to rise up and just begin to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I desire, I long, I'm seeking. And God, because I'm knocking and asking, whatever it is that's blocking, then God, I yield it to you. I yield lordship. You're not just my savior, you're my Lord. And so God, I yield lordship of my life over to you. Because as you begin to do it, what you do is you enable yourself to be a vessel that's now been emptied. And as you've been empty, he begins to fill you. And as he fills you, you'll begin to sense the anointing on your life. So you submit. We're living sacrifices and we submit ourselves to the Lord. So you ask, you yield, and then you just begin to receive. You soak, you, you say, God, I, I desire it and I receive it. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you begin to say, God, give me that gift. Fill me with your presence, anoint me. Let me be baptized in your spirit. Every occasion in the book of Acts, we see that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other tongues. God, I wanna commune with you. My prayer language helps me to have a communion with you. It empowers me, it exhorts and, and encourages my own spirit. But God, most of all, it's a language that connects me in an intimate relationship, the direct hotline, the direct connection to you. And God, I yield, I receive. And as you begin to pray and worship, as you begin to declare, declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ, what you're doing is God will begin to give you, he'll give you thoughts and impressions. And, 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 and as you begin to speak forth, you'll begin to find yourself speaking in another tongue and a, a language that you have not learned but a language that glorifies and exalts the name of Jesus. So here we are on Pentecost Sunday. And what I'm saying is that we are people of the Spirit. And more than ever right now, we need to be people of the Spirit. The Spirit lives in you, the Spirit is with you, and the Spirit wants to work through you. Let yourself be filled with the Spirit. Stay in step with the Spirit and be empowered by the Spirit. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. 
Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.